Welcome to your betting preview for this week's Shriners Children's Open. I'm Rick Gaiman, that right there, Andy Lack. Andy, here we go. We were just kind of talking about this uh, before we went hot. I'm obviously very excited about this one because it's, you know, 10 minutes away and it's a golf course that I that I know. And I'm just trying to pump excitement through everybody out there this week. It's a good tournament. I mean, I, I, I think of the three fall swing events that we've had thus far. This is probably my favorite and the one that historically tends to attract at least a little bit of a better field. It's not as good as we saw last year, obviously, because last year we had the very convenient travel schedule with, I think, two Vegas events back to back, and we don't have that this year, but we still get Cantlay and basically like half the International President's Cup team. Yeah, exactly. The the two back-to-back weeks of of this event and CJ cup kind of ensured that you would get a couple of more of those top players. This is the first year in a couple of years. We haven't had that, but still uh fairly top heavy. This is the grid over at odds checker, which uh, is loading in all the lines from across the industry. And there's kind of a big three here, Andy, it's, it's Patrick can't light sung JM. It's max Homa elite course history. And obviously a title defense opportunity for sung JM at 12 to one elite, elite course history for Patrick can't at seven to one. And then max Homa at 20 to one who has been horrible at TPC suffer. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would say that for me, from a betting standpoint, I am choosing to forego these three. I think if you are a casual better, um, and you have a hundred bucks to spend, I think you could do far worse than choosing one of these guys as your only bet. I think there's a pretty safe assumption that at least one of them will be in the mix on Sunday. If I had to choose, my guess would be Cantlay. Um, but no, I, I think this is a, another situation where I'm probably looking at that middle tier. Although, as you have mentioned eloquently many times that the favorites are on this insane run and in betting. So maybe you are a little bit more hesitant to forego that top tier. I mean, my, my nature and years and years of doing this, I would almost never bet these guys at the top, but right. just kind of what we've seen and some noodling that I've done about, uh, especially the live guys leaving and making the middle of the board a lot softer. Like uh, last week for the first time ever, I bet, the, not the first time ever, but the first time in a long time, I bet Sam Burns that that obviously didn't work out very well for me. So, I, I mean, there's there's going to be whiffs kind of no matter how we do this. I'm I'm generally preferring to stay the course, uh, get down to this next tier that you're referring to and, and, and continue to take action there. I think this starts to level out here eventually. I think so, too. I think one thing to keep in mind is that not all of these courses where this is happening is created equal, right? So in a tournament that can often be defined as a putting contest, right, which is, mm -hmm. you know, somewhat what we have here. This is not a course that provides a ton of resistance from T to green. It's a course with an extremely high greens and regulation percentage. Those are the types of courses that tend to produce more variance and tend to level the playing field a little bit. Like if this field I know this is hard to believe based on Cantlay's course history. Like if this field went to Muirfield Village, Cantlay would have a greater advantage than right. he would at this course, if that makes sense, right? So I'm with you. I'm still probably foregoing these top three in DraftKings. It's a little bit of a different conversation, but in terms of the betting market, 
I got a ton of guys that I love in that 25 to 70 range. Yeah, exactly. And those are kind of like the 9K guys on DraftKings, which are getting all of my attention. So so Aaron Wise, 22 to 1, some of the shortest odds that we've that we've seen on him. That's the best number available. Tom Kim lives here at 25. Then there's kind of this big gap. Uh, Taylor Montgomery listed on the odds checker grid at 37 to 1. I He is shorter than that most places. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that there's been a little bit of early movement on Montgomery. And then you just get into, as you kind of mentioned, um, you know, some of the international, some of the European guys and Alex Noren and Cam Davis and Emiliano Grillo. So how are we focusing our attention on this section of the board? I think the biggest name that jumped out to me there was actually Davis. Uh, and he has, I've seen him as high as I bet him at 46. I mean, that, that felt a bit irresponsible is, to me. Is this Cam Davis or Davis Riley? This is, Cam oh my Davis. gosh, Cam Davis. We've got multiple Davises. There, uh, some, somebody it, tweeted at me and said, in 50 years, everyone on tour's name will be Cam uh, some form of Cam, some form of Taylor, some form of Davis. And I was like, yeah, I know. It's like this nightmare we live every week. <laughs> and we haven't even gotten to our, our guy Davis Thompson yet. But no, I'm talking about Cam Davis. Okay. Uh, this is a player that has turned into, over the past year, one of the best wedge players and bent grass putters in the world. Um, and I know we all know what he can do off the tee as well, but... Uh, you know, I think I, I look at all of these guys on the international team at the President's Cup, and I know that they lost Rick. But to me, I think for pretty much most members of the international team, maybe not named Corey Connors, this was a big springboard. This was a bonding and motivating and encouraging and confidence building experience even in loss. And we've seen this happen all the time in team events where Cam Smith and Mark Leishman play on the President's Cup team in 2019, and they win right after. Scotty Scheffler has that big confidence-building performance at the Ryder Cup where he takes down John Rahman's singles, and then he goes on to become the best player in the world over the next 12 months. So I think a lot of these guys on the international team that played well, Cam Davis, Tom Kim, even even a guy like Taylor Pendrith, who I thought looked pretty solid as well, I think this is actually a confidence builder and a springboard for these guys. And I think that some of them are going to have some pretty strong falls. Cam Davis, when I simulated this event uh, on rickrungood.com, won it 5.9% of the time, which is a lot for a guy who's living in that 40 to 1 range, 45 to 1, the best number that's available right now. Um, I did it, Andy. I am... I said it before. I'll say it again. Like I will step on the rake for Emiliano Grillo right now. <laughs> Bet him last week. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Uh, I got him at fifty for this week. He's forty-five on the grid. Like I'll, I'll just, I'll just go back to him again. I, I, I don't care. I have to kind of live, live this truth for a while. He's playing great, and you got it. You got to ride the form. And I, you know, it's, it's interesting. There are a lot of guys that played really well at the Sanderson, and because of the. Patrick Cantlay, Sung JM, Max Homa of it all. You're still getting great odds on them, despite them, you know, Thomas Dietrich, Davis Riley, Emiliano yeah. Grillo, all finished top 20 at the Sanderson and played really well. And their odds are higher than they were last week. And if you were on a, if you were on an Emiliano Grillo at 30 to one last week, I don't see how you're not on him again at 40. That's kind of the the deal, right? So Davis Riley as short as 37 this week, as long as 50. Thomas Dietrich as short as 50, as long as 66. I also went back. I didn't bet him last week, but uh, JT Poston missed the cut 
last week uh straight off of his bachelor party and now he is like much longer this week at 65 to 1 and 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 you're right there is kind of this this mental thing and and I always think um the guys that are best at doing this, Andy, are the ones that understand the ebbs and flows every single week, right? It's like, well, I just bet him at this number. Now he's that number. It's not like if I if I really loved golfer X last week, why don't I love him this week off of like one missed cut, right? The, the, the guys who can zoom out and look at five or six weeks at a time, like a, I, I think they tend to do a lot better in golf outrights. Yeah, you have to take your emotions out of it. You you almost have to have short-term memory loss in betting and 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 in DFS as well. Guys that burned you and killed you last week, people get into the bad habit of, you know, putting them on a quote-unquote blacklist, right? And then kind of missing out before the miracle happens where you looked at you loved him so much last week and he had a bad two rounds of golf like what really changed? Um, I, there are a couple names in this range that I want to quickly ask you about what's going on with Mito and Lev. Like I'm so confused about, there's been so much misreporting and conflicting yeah. reporting. This guy is Joaquin Neiman's best friend. And there were rumors that Liv was going to get one more guy after the president's cup. I think conventional wisdom would suggest that that is Mito, but here we see him again in the Shriners field, and I really like his odds. Yeah, the the other thing was that agency that they're all a part of, GSE, has been a a, a pipeline to live. So it was it was highly is Mito, is Mito on that agency. Yeah, yeah, mm. and it was so. But but you're right. The timing is now like well, he didn't go after the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, you know, we've we've completed the President's Cup. Like what what is he waiting for? Maybe the answer is he's just not going. And now he sits here at 66 to one, one of the, you know, if you zoom out a hundred rounds, I, I'm pretty sure he's the best ball striker in the field statistically. Um, yeah. I mean, it is, it is kind of a, a weird situation that we probably haven't talked about enough. Yeah. And, and I, I, what we've heard from Greg Norman is that they feel pretty good about their roster and their roster feels pretty set. So you're right. If he hasn't made the jump already, then I think we, ought to just assume that he's going to be here at least for the time being two other quick names that I wanted to ask you about. Have you noticed some signs of life from Ricky Fowler? I mean, he had one of his better ball striking weeks at the Fortnite in quite some time. It was the first time that he gained over a stroke in all four major categories since pre COVID. Are you buying the Ricky Fowler uptick or you want to see a little bit more? I would almost buy it a little more this week um so sure. the thing that is so not only do you get fresh off the t6 where he gained across the board as you mentioned but he gets to come to vegas where uh butch Harmon has his uh has his academy and if you've heard these guys like and i i kind of made this joke on the first cut the other day it's like uh you'll you'll spend two hours with butch Harmon, and the player will be like, oh yeah, like we found something. And they're like, what, what did, like, what happened? What did he say? What, what clicked? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Butch just like told me stories for an hour and 55 minutes. And then we figured something out. Like there, it's just, he's just like this calming presence that very easily puts you in a good, a good mindset. So I'm almost buying it right. And the last time, when's the last time we saw Ricky in Vegas summit club where he led after three rounds and battled Rory. I don't think that is different. Also, um, the, the bent grass that they put in Andy, that, that dominant bent that they yeah. redid all the fairways and all the greens with is, is, was put in place because of how much they liked it at summit club. 
right? So like it's the same thing. So I, like this week specifically, I think is a Ricky week. I would like to like reassess it later, but I think you could snatch him up right now. Another Vegas guy I want to ask you about that's sitting right next to him in the odds board too is we have kind of a weird situation with Matt McNeely, right? Where like you yeah. look at the course fed and it makes a ton of sense. And he is a Vegas guy. I don't know if he practices at TPC Summerlin, but I know that he, he maybe he's a summit club guy like Morikawa and Xander, maybe a Southern Highlands is another one yeah. that those guys are all at a bunch, but Mav is a Vegas guy and he does not seem to have figured out this course for whatever reason. No, he hasn't. And I'll, I'll pull up the stats here, but he also made a comment. I think it was yesterday. So he's missed three out of his last four cuts at, at TPC Summerlin where he said something like, Oh, my first time on the golf course in over a year. And I was like, well, that's like, that's not great. I don't think he gets out there all that much. The form isn't great. I would actually, I'd offer up another Vegas guy who is out there all the time in Seamus power. I'm, mm, I'm ready. So I didn't even know that. Yeah. He moved uh spring 2021. He moved to Las Vegas. He is out at TPC Las Vegas and TPC Summerlin, TPC Summerlin constantly. Um, he like, I'm, I'm ready to buy on this stat profile, a really bad stat profile, uh, coming down the stretch last year plays in Jackson, loses strokes on approach gains everywhere else, made a ton of birdies. He gave a lot back on the par fives. I think he was one over on the fives and he is historically like a top 20 par five scorer. So I'm, 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 I'm ready. I I'm ready for Seamus to fix everything this week at one of the best spots for him. I think. And if you zoom out, one thing that I like to look at on these uh, birdie fests is what players raise their baseline in much easier and benign scoring conditions. And Seamus Power is one of the biggest risers where mm. when you have to, when the scoring is low and we're talking about rounds where the scoring average is over a stroke under par, Seamus Power raises his baseline more than almost any other player in this entire field. And we've seen him contend before at pebble beach which is another course that i actually like as a as a comp and and so i i, I like that play a lot i'll raise you another vegas guy kitty right <laughs> yeah kitty uh there's so there's like 15 vegas guys in the field but kitty um has been pretty darn good and if you're not looking at european tour stuff and you're not looking at the strokes game breakdown from the db yes. world tour you're missing this right because you would have seen the last time that he played was a t9 in Wilmington, which is great. BMW Championship, stacked field, playoff event. He finishes top 20, a T32 at the BMW PGA Championship. That's an elite European tour field. And then 12 strokes in the positive in the ball striking categories in Italy. That's the last time we saw him. He comes home to Vegas like, yeah, big time. There, there's some Vegas guys that don't make sense. Kitayama, Power, I think they make sense. I, I actually said this on my podcast where I said, if I didn't see that stat page on Rick run good with the BMW Italian open stats. I don't know if I would have, um, I don't know if I would have bet him. I don't know if I would have had the knowledge to think about him here, just necessarily based on him being from Vegas, the 12 stroke, the 12 strokes ball striking at BMW. That is some provocative stuff that I definitely, definitely have some interest in. Yeah. Uh, last one, last look at the grid here. I'm, I'm generally interested in, in Matthew Neesmith at 80 to one. He's played really well here. He's he, he finally, um, fixed that second shot last week in Jackson, but we're, we're kind of entering the triple digits here. Andy, is there anybody else worth mentioning before we, before we get out of outrights? Adam Svensson is just a macro buy for me. I mean, it's just every single week I'm going to be there. Um, 
I think he's now we have a fair, we have a pretty decent sample size on him. One of the better wedge players in this field, um, just very, very consistent ball striker and has actually shown that when you put him on bent grass greens, he does have the ability to be a good putter. He is a variable putter, but he had that nice little run at UC kind of late in the summer where he had a bunch of really strong performances and they all came on bent grass green. So Svensson would be the only other guy that I would mention after Kitayama and then Troy Merritt as well was another guy I have some interest in. Okay, lots of good odds for these guys. That that top-heavy nature of the big three uh, creates some very interesting situations further down the board. Let's talk matchups uh, a little bit quickly here, Andy. I've got DraftKings available. I've got Bet365 available. We're seeing kind of uh, the big boys get put together, right? Patrick Cantlay is minus 155 over Sungjae Im at plus 125. I mentioned... Um, Matthew Neesmith, who is someone I like, he is minus 110 to Mark Hubbard. So there are some interesting options here. Is there a golfer or two that you might be targeting for in matchups or maybe playing against this week? It didn't really work out for me last week. I mean, it worked out for me in the sense of keeping me off the outright, but I'm just, I'm out on Taylor Montgomery gaining 16 strokes putting through two events. If that guy beats me, he beats me. And the ball striking to, to his credit and fairness did get better for him at the Sanderson, but I, I don't, it what it still wasn't anything crazy. And I think that I have had a lot of success sticking by the rule of I'm not chasing putting. I, I just have no interest in trying to chase putting and a guy who gained 16 strokes putting through two events. If you want to keep doing that, then I will happily tip my cap but it's not for me. I think he is one of the most fascinating golfers that we have right now because we have a lot of results and a lot of really good results and we don't have a lot of strokes gain data. And yeah. the data that we have is pure is like pure fade stuff, but the results that we have are like pure buy stuff. Like I I think he is such a fascinating just guided deep. Like I could spend an hour on Taylor Montgomery and trying to figure out what type of golfer he is and what his outlook is for the next six months. I, I think he's fascinating. I'm, I'm generally torn on him. Um, you're going to be able to get matchups like Adam Hadwin, little desert dog, uh, at I plus like 100, that. uh, over Taylor Montgomery. But yeah, he is someone Davis Riley on bet. Three sixty five is plus one Oh five against Taylor Montgomery. But he is, in my opinion, the most fascinating guy that we have, and especially this week, He's either like going to be the biggest chalk bomb or it'll be an industry win when he hoists a trophy on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and in fairness, Rick, I did do a little digging into his corn fairy tour makeup and he is not like a bad ball striker by any means, right? Like he is, go, he is accumulating these results on the PGA tour right now completely via the flat stick, but you can't get to a point where you're top tenning in, I don't know what 40, 50% of your corn fairy tour events across a full season without being a good ball striker. So this is not to say that he's not a good ball striker. I'm not sold that he's a great ball striker at the PGA tour level. Um, but I agree with you. I think he's a very interesting case that we don't really have enough data on to make a definitive judgment call about who he is as a player. You mentioned Adam Hadwin, who I like a lot in terms of this is a, 
pretty obvious course history guy, right? He's had a lot of success. He's been sixth and fourth year. Um, another course that I like a lot is the American Express in terms of, or that three course rotation at the American Express in terms of another desert course where you're going to have a large plurality of wedges and easy scoring conditions. Hadwin has been the best basically in this field at that three course American Express rotation. So something about kind of desert courses, easier scoring conditions, West Coast, just seems to really fit his eye. I'd probably ride with Hadwin in that matchup, to be honest with you. Uh, even money on DraftKings, I believe, is where we found that. Okay, Andy, uh, we've got to talk props, and we've got to talk one and done. We are going to continue that conversation after a quick word about Andy's podcast. Andy Lack is one of the nerdiest golf guys that I know, and I mean that as an absolute compliment. His knowledge of course architecture allows him to create some of the most actionable course previews available, and he offers up pure expertise on his own podcast, the Inside Golf Podcast. Twice a week, he offers course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategy for every PGA Tour event, and he expands the universe by bringing on entertaining and knowledgeable guests who can offer a different viewpoint of the game that we love. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. I want to take a second to talk about Athletic Greens, which has become a staple in my daily routine. And for those of you who have been following for a while, you know that I take gut health very seriously. So I started taking AG1 as an attempt to get everything down there under control. And I've been taking it for a few weeks and I feel much better throughout the day. I'm having way less acid reflux and I've been able to stay focused for longer when I'm sitting in front of a computer. It's one scoop of a green drink that I take first thing in the morning. And I know what you're thinking, a green drink? Like, trust me, I've, I've tried all of them. And most have a chalky or a chunky taste to them, which is not great. Most smell horrible. I'll, I'll admit all of that. Uh, athletic Greens, for me, bucks that trend. It's smooth. There's there's no chunks. The smell is is just fine, and it's easy enough for me to get get it down when I take it at 5:30 in the morning. It's legit 75 high quality vitamins, probiotics, and adaptogens. So it's no surprise that I'm actually feeling better. And when I rattle off the benefits, it sounds like it's going to be really expensive. Uh, it's quite reasonable. It comes out to about three dollars a day, and I tell my wife all the time. There is no price that I wouldn't pay to feel good, especially gut stuff, because it controls so much other things that go on in your body. So imagine paying $3 a day to feel good. That's some of the best ROI I could ever imagine. Um, so if you want to get involved, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of an immune-supporting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. Uh, visit athleticgreens.com slash 300 yards. Again, that's athleticgreens.com 300 yards to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we're back. Our friends over at Prize Picks, uh, they have not dun, 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 posted the PGA stuff yet. So let me just wildly speculate for a second, Andy. And I think you'll appreciate this wild speculation because uh, it's very nerdy. And that is a compliment. So <laughs> you know that when they lay new turf, which they have just done in the last six months at TPC Summerlin, the one defining thing that you almost always hear, and I'll confirm, so I'm going to go out there today. It's Tuesday. I'm going to go out there basically after we're done recording this and see if I can find out. It is generally very bouncy. 
when they lay new turf. Kind of takes a little bit of of, of time to work in. We have seen this at other golf courses. It tends to give you that one kind of big hop. It's, It's not like a trampoline, but it's definitely noticeable. And I was trying to think, how could this help us in some way? And the first thing that I thought about was potentially the greens and regulation props that I assume price picks will be dropping very soon because this is large greens. They are easy to hit. I imagine those numbers are going to be quite high. It's quite generous towards these players. And I'm wondering if early in the week, round one, round two, these guys are getting bigger bounces than they think. And they're missing two more greens around or one more green around. And if there's an edge there, um, I'm obviously wildly speculating. We have no prop numbers yet at all. I'm I'm just thinking about this. I think you're completely on the right track. I'm with you there. And I would even throw out fairways as well, because I, I think you might even see more bounciness potentially with the new Bermuda fairways than potentially the bent grass greens. But I, I think you're on the right track there. What's interesting about this course is, and what's interesting about prize picks too is, I'm curious to see where they put the greens in regulation and fairways, because we've seen in the past, Rick, where like very, very basic things that you could find on two seconds on rickrungood.com about, oh, this course has much easier than average greens yeah. or much easier than average fairway state. Prize picks has often shown us that they're not necessarily even spending that time looking into that. So I'm very curious to see where they come in. I, 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 I agree with you, though, that I think that's something to watch out for. Yeah, I find that they then watch round one and they watch round two and then they adjust. But like those are the those are the profit stations, right? Go get round one, go get round two. And when they adjust by round three and four, go find something else. But that yeah, I I agree with you. I I think we're going to have a little bit of an edge here. I'm hoping those props come out uh, shortly Uh, when they do. You can use code Rick. Uh, there's a link in the description. Get yourself a $100 deposit match and be ready for these greens and fairways props that come out that are probably going to be too high. And then, uh, like I said, I'm going to go out there this afternoon and keep an eye. I also want to pose this to you. I- I'm going to be on site on a Tuesday, right? Um, and I always ask people like, what do you want me to look for? Right. Like, is there something that I could glean in terms of reconnaissance, whether it's by a player, whether it's by a golf course, whether it's by condition? Like, what could I be of use for when I step out at TPC Summerlin in about 90 minutes? I think you probably, if you, if we're talking about maximum utility in terms of helping yourself and potentially helping others with actionable betting info. I actually would probably spend more time on the driving range, yeah. Um, which I've done before at Riviera before I just hung out at the driving range for like two hours and found it fascinating because you can really see far more so than even if they're playing a practice round, what players are grinding and working on something and what players are really, really caught, even in the way that they practice, right? There's yeah. certain players that you, I mean, if they have, if they're hooked up to eight different computers and they're really grinding with their coach and their caddy, and they're doing all these weird different drills, that's generally a sense that maybe they're a little bit farther off versus a player that is practicing in a different way that is, you know, working on far more simplistic things because the macro picture is so strong with them right now. So I would say maybe spend some time at the range. 
All right. I will certainly do that, and I will see what I can find. Uh, finally, Andy, one and done, and I am absolutely smoking you. Mina, do we have that slide? I want to make sure we – yes. I well, oh, First off, we got to flip me so that I'm on top so that you know, <laughs> my big, my big $100,610 can dwarf Andy's $16,720. Um, last week – was a real, as you described in the past, real pillow fight. I had Sam Burns, 45000 That's not going to do it. But you had Russell Henley, $0. Um, so I won the battle. But I think in terms of the war, using using Sam Burns and getting $45K uh, at Sanderson Farms ain't it. Yeah, very, very sleepy start to the season with me. <laughs> I think I went I think I went Taylor Pendrith at Russell Henley. And and. I'm not losing any sleep over the guys that I have used. Although I will say I'm so embarrassed for myself. This generally happens to me. Like, I don't know, 80, 85% during the season. I already forgot to put a pick in for the big run and done. I don't think it's going Shame. to kill me. I know. I don't think it's going to kill me too much. I, to be honest with you, I probably would have picked like Russell Henley and that uh, one too. Uh, well, it was probably like the best week you could have done it because there yeah. wasn't much Mackenzie Hughes. There wasn't much Sepp Straka. Um, probably a really good week that you, that you did it. In. Yeah. So I'm looking to get back on the horse this week in a big way. And I think one of the things that I do in one and done is I will pick a player that I am probably not going to bet. Um, because maybe his yes. odds are a little bit too low, but that oh, I no. still have a lot of confidence in, and then I'm getting, I, were you going to go Aaron wise? Aren't I the guy that gets to the wait? So how, how is the right way to do this? Is the person winning supposed to go first or the person losing supposed to go first? I always think, I don't know what we have done in the past, but the, I believe the best way to do it is that the losing person goes first, which is why like, why does the worst team have waiver priority? Why does the worst team pick number one overall in the draft? It is an attempt to keep everything as competitive as possible. Now we're only two, there's only two of us, right? But I generally believe the path to optimized, optimized competition is the person who is behind goes first. Aaron wise, then I'm sorry, buddy. I know he's your guy in Las Vegas, but I think he's the play in one and done. I, I really do this week. I be, I believe he is the play as well. Um, I do not want to bet Aaron Wise at 18. I would not even break no. even on Aaron Wise if he wanted 18 to 1. I, I would not no. even get out of the Aaron Wise hole that I'm in. So like what am I what I'm not gonna buy the top of Aaron Wise, but you're now looking at a golfer who for a reason, has the fourth shortest odds. He's played well, obviously, at this place before, knows it very well. We're, I think, both quite bullish on him for the future, and you're not going to use him anywhere else. Like, there's not there's not a place begging for Aaron Wise. So I, I I believe just in a in kind of a vacuum, he's like the play this week. I think so, too. And I'm curious. Um, I always like asking you this question and trying to predict for the bigger one and done leagues. Do you think the, do you think other people are thinking this way too, though? Right. Do you think yeah. that a lot, do you, who do you think is going to be the most popular selection this week? Because I think you could make an argument for Aaron wise. Okay. I would probably go Tom Kim. So here. Okay. Before anyone like declares that I'm cheating, um, office football 
allows you to see the percentage of site-wide picks before it locks. Now, that is not run and done. I have no idea who anyone has picked in the run and done, but I know for all the leagues that exist across officefootballpool.com, probably thousands of them, I can see the percent. And you can see the Anybody can log in and see the percentages. The current most owned across the board is Sung J.M. at 20%. Okay? Mm. Patrick Cantlay, 15 Aaron Wise, 11 That's a lot higher than I thought he was going to be. Yeah. Um, then you get Taylor Montgomery, Tom Kim, and then it kind of those those are kind of the big five there. Um, Sung Jay's interesting. So I don't know if I want to burn Sung Jay this early. Where I mean, you could save him for Honda. I, I guess what's nice about Sung Jay is he's pretty versatile. He can win a birdie fest. He can win something at three over. I'm very bullish on. Like I just would feel kind of bad burning Sung Jay this early in the season, despite the I'm- great the great history. I'm with you. And, you know, I haven't done like a deep dive into the purses, but like how much greater is the Honda Classic purse to this, right? Like, are we, is it really worth saying, hey, I'm going to save him for, you know, a just a regular standard PGA Tour event? This week is 8 million. Honda is 8.4. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, so I, I don't have an issue with using Sh- Sung Jay. I mean, I'm pretty high on Sung Jay just in general. Like, if Sung Jay won a major this year, that wouldn't entirely shock me. I don't think he's a player that you need to use for a major, but I, you know, I, I don't have an issue with using him now. I have an issue with using him now at 20% ownership, right? Because right. I think this is a, fantastic course fit for him obviously he won the tournament last year and you're probably not going to see too many more tournaments rick where he is 10 to 1 in the betting markets although sungjae does play a lot of events he plays the rocket mortgage and he plays the 3m open and stuff like that so there are going to be other opportunities where he is at least in the 20 to 1 range if he's like the if the chalk is formulating around sungjae which is what we often see we talked about this a little bit last time the obvious pick is patrick cantlay and people never want to do the most obvious pick so they always do the most second obvious pick and then the most second obvious pick becomes the chalk and that's what we're starting to see with sungjae this week so on a pure ownership standpoint i would stay away with Aaron Wise off the board, my options are really Tom Kim, Taylor Montgomery, or going to just someone else that I think is further down the board and just like trying to find somebody that I believe in. Cause I'm, I'm, I'll save Cam Davis for Rocket Mortgage or 3M or something like that. Um, Taylor Montgomery is kind of interesting because a lot of people have already used him, believe it or not. Um, (laughs) right. Like he's been like the, the darling for the first two weeks. Tom Kim is the one I'm having trouble with Andy, because is he the fifth best player in this field? If he's the fifth best player in this field, he's 22 to one. That might be the shortest I get on him in a while, but what if he turns into a real superstar, but also what if he doesn't, um, that he's the big question mark, I think. Yeah. And I've had like, um, I don't know if the it's so tough to to play the other side and play bad guy on this guy that <laughs> has turned into everyone's darling. But I think the pendulum might have just swung like a little bit too far on a content starved week in a president's cup that desperately, desperately needed an injection of juice and personality. I mean, he went two and three. 
And I was hearing him getting compared to Rory McIlroy. I think Tom Kim is good. I don't think he's going to win the Masters, even though everyone bet him to win the Masters at the President's Cup. I don't think that he's the next great generational superstar talent. Um, I don't even think that he is a Victor Hovland, Colin, you know, the, that group of young up and comers that we had a couple of years. I don't think he's as good as Hovland or Morikawa or even, to be honest, close to that. Um, I want to wait and see a little bit more with Tom Kim, Rick, that we're still talking about a guy that's played eight times on the PGA tour and the one PGA tour win that he had had came on one of the best putting performances in the strokes gained era. So I'm a little bit more lukewarm on Tom Kim. I, I know a lot of people got down on him on Monday morning at 30 to one. I totally respect that. That's certainly a good number on him in this field, but I'm a little bit more skittish on, on crowning this guy as some others. Okay. Um, I don't disagree with you. I am. The, I'm going to go off the board here. So I'm going to go Seamus Power. And just, okay, yeah, like I think there's a realistic chance he finishes inside the top ten if everything falls in his way. He wins it. I think I'm buying low instead of buying high. And the guys that I would other otherwise consider, uh, I get to keep in the holster. So I'm going to go. With, I'm going to go with Seamus. Works for me. Yeah. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, you are you're coming up on a big a big trip, which I'm excited for you. But anything uh, anything else before we put a bow on this one? Who are you most excited to watch? Who's the number one guy that you're excited to watch Ooh. if you're going out on Thursday morning? Who's you the first what? guy I you're mean, looking for? I have not seen Tom Kim in person, um, mm. which I would I would like to do. Um, I would also like to see. I mean, Taylor Montgomery is probably on that list. I'll tell you what. And I have not said this in a long time. I'd I'd go lay eyes on Ricky Fowler. Like like mm. let's you know like let's see what's happening here. I don't mind laying eyes on Ricky. And that's someone who I never follow. I just let everybody else do that. Is there a um? Is there a specific, Is there a hole that is a really good spot to watch golf at? Do you have a favorite hole on the course that's a really good camping out spot? Um, the eighth green is usually so that's the long par three it is also right next to like a mansion and there's a tree there that you can sit underneath which is very nice for shade yeah. uh, and you can kind of see them tee off on number nine so that's generally a very good spot um there is also a really good spot at okay so it's uh, um it's basically like a cul-de-sac where you would like turn your cart around on the cart path at 13 green 14 t they are like right next to each other 14 T is the par three that you could literally reach out and touch the golfers on the T box. And then if you just walk 160 yards to that green, you also see them tee off 15, which is the short par four. It's a very good little action packed corner of the golf course. And from what I've heard and seen, you get pretty good access at this course, right? There's not, I mean, there's definitely a lot of fans, but it is set up in a way where you should be able to get pretty close to the guys and really not have an issue seeing whoever you want. It's not like Patrick Cantlay's attracting thousands of people following him. No, it is not going to be overly popular. Also, the practice facilities are like 
I mean, again, you can reach out and touch the guys on the putting green. I mean, you're like in it. There's not a buffer zone like there are on some courses. It, it's a very fan friendly viewing experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited for you. Uh, I will not be watching. As you know, I will be in rural Oregon on yes. a golf trip, but I'm excited to touch base with you. Or we're actually touching base later this afternoon on something else that could be fun coming <laughs> up for us. Alert. But spoiler alert. But, uh, yeah, excited, excited for you this week. It should be a blast. Andy Lack available on Twitter at ATP Lack Sports. Producer Mina does all that hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been your betting preview for this week's Shriners Children's Open. Good luck.